You're listening to the podcast of the Biopharmaceutical Section of the American Statistical Association. Statistics. 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 Hi, folks, and welcome to the show. This is Richard Zink, and you are once again listening to the podcast of the Biopharmaceutical Section of the American Statistical Association. This is episode 42, and it features a conversation I had with Renee Moore of Emory University and Janelle Charles of the FDA on the Committee on Minorities and Statistics. This is one of the committees that makes up the ASA Membership Council. We talk about the mission of the committee, some of their major initiatives, and ways in which statisticians can get involved to support this important work. As a reminder for these discussions, note that people are sharing their personal opinions, so please don't overinterpret their comments as representing the groups or organizations with which they participate. Well, let's start the show. Our topic today is the ASA Committee on Minorities and Statistics, and today I have the pleasure of talking with Renee Moore, Research Associate Professor in the Department of Biostatistics and Bioinformatics at Emory University and the current chair on the Committee on Minorities in Statistics, and Janelle Charles, Senior Staff Fellow at the Center for Drug Evaluation and Research at the FDA, and a member of the Committee on Minorities in Statistics, and she's also a member of the Biopharmaceutical Section of the ASA, uh, and she's been involved on the Executive Committee for several years now. Well, good afternoon, and thanks to both of you for being here. Good afternoon, Good afternoon, Richard. Thanks for having us. Before we get started on uh, talking a little bit about the uh, Committee on Minorities and Statistics, let's get to hear a little bit about you and uh, your statistical journey and how you became interested in statistics. Uh, Renee, why don't we start with you? As an undergraduate at Bennett College, I was a double major in mathematics and secondary mathematics education. I always knew I loved teaching, but I didn't know about other career opportunities as a math major. At the end of my sophomore year, I was selected as a Mellon Mays undergraduate fellow, and as an MMUF, we were able to develop our own research question to explore. My research question looked at, does the college math entrance exam predict success in college math courses and overall success as measured by GPA? When I proposed the question, I didn't realize it would lead to me to statistics, but it did, and my advisor, Ray Treadway, had me learn SPS and linear regression to explore this research question. So that was my first uh, exposure to statistics. And for that question, I was able to obtain data from my home institution, Bennett College, as well as from an institution in my home state of New Jersey, Rowan University. Then the summer after my junior year, I attended Louise Ryan's Harvard Summer Program in Biostatistics, and that's when I immediately fell in love with biostatistics and then the fact that as an undergraduate, I could use my math skills and beginning statistics skills to investigate medical and public health research questions. So senior year, I crafted my MMUF project to learn more about biostatistics, and I've never looked back since those early days in the 90s and immediately 
Uh, upon finishing my undergraduate degree, I entered the PhD program at Emory University. Today, I'm still in love with the biomedical and public health applications of biostatistics. So Janelle, how did you get interested in statistics? I actually became interested in statistics indirectly, believe it or not, through my love of mathematics, funny as that may sound. So for as long as I can remember, certainly during my teenage years, I have always enjoyed just sitting and solving math problems. It was just that one subject that no matter how lengthy or difficult the assignments were, I was just always eager and motivated to tackle them. So I knew it was an area that I was good at, and so I continued to work on it and develop it, even if it took hours on end uh, just doing math. So even in cases I'd say that I didn't do as well as I had hoped for uh, in terms of grades in math classes, it somehow seemed to fuel me to devote more time and attention to practice it. So naturally, when I started my undergraduate degree, I selected math as my major area of focus. And at that time, I thought that I would also pursue math as my major throughout graduate studies. Turns out, however, once I started graduate school, what I found was that the problem solving that I had once found so much joy in became more about proven theorems. And at least that was my perception of the pure math uh, program that I was enrolled in for graduate school. So I began asking questions, you know, what would I do with this skill? Why do I need to know how to prove all these theorems? And more so, what career options would I have with a pure math uh, degree? So with that, I sought a more applied field, and statistics became the answer for me, conveniently because it was one of the areas that was a major option in my graduate school at Texas Tech University, and also because I became more aware of diverse applications and career options. So that's medical, financial, teaching, and the list goes on, as I'm sure you're aware of. So with that, I went on to earn my master's degree in statistics and later my doctorate, though in math, was with a focus in statistics. And uh, since completing graduate studies, I've been in the statistical field, uh, as you mentioned here at FDA, and uh, I've been continuously involved in statistics and uh, excited about statistics. Very good. And can you each give us a, a bit more detail about your current responsibilities? Janelle, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the work you do at the FDA? I am a senior statistical reviewer in the Office of Biostatistics in the Center for Drug Evaluation Research at FDA. I belong to one of eight divisions in my office. And my division provides statistical support in the evaluation of new drug applications submitted to the Division of Anti-Infective Products in the Office of New Drugs at FDA. So when I say applications, I'm referring to products to treat medical conditions such as urinary tract infections or worm infections and the like. So day-to-day, my work involves collaborative efforts in multidisciplinary teams of medical doctors, uh, chemists, microbiologists, and so on. One of my main responsibilities as a statistician is 
to evaluate and provide recommendations to product sponsors regarding their protocols and statistical analysis plans for future clinical studies. So these are the studies that are essentially conducted to establish that a product is safe and effective for the indication that is being sought in the application. So some specific statistical recommendations might be related to study blinding, ensuring that there are no flaws in the design that may lead patients or investigators becoming aware of treatment assignments in a blinded study, uh, statistical analysis methods, Uh, That could be making sure that the proposed analyses are adequate for the outcome or other things uh, uh, in the review of protocols or or statistical plans. Another responsibility of mine, which I'm really excited about, is actually analyzing the data from these completed trials when they're submitted as part of the application's approval. And by that, I mean before the product actually goes to the market for use by consumers. So for this, I employ a range of statistical procedures, often using uh, statistical software packages such as SAS, Richard, that I, that I know you're familiar with. And the primary intent of these uh, analyses is really to understand whether the product is working and treating the condition it purports to treat, and of course, identify any potential safety concerns. The results of these analyses that I conduct as part of my reviews are very important as well because they provide some of the information that's included in the product label if it gets approved. And I think this is one of the really important responsibilities for me and other statisticians at FDA in supporting and ensuring that the efficacy results that are being communicated to the public is accurate and more so that it's readily interpretable to someone who's not a statistician. That was helpful for me too, Janelle, to learn more about what it's like to be an FDA statistician. Um, Here in my uh, research associate professor, Physician in the Department of Biostatistics and Bioinformatics at Emory University Rollins School of Public Health, I'm able to combine both my love of teaching and being a collaborative biostatistician. About 40% of my time is spent teaching and mentoring. I enjoy teaching both majors and non-majors, and for non-majors, my mission is to make statistics accessible to each student in my class so they walk out with an appreciation of statistics and not that fear that too many still come in the door with, and that they, if they are going to embark on quantitative research, that they have the ability to have a meaningful conversation with a statistician in designing and analyzing their studies. All students in our School of Public Health, are all master's students, are required to take one intro to biostatistics course, and I teach that requirement and I teach the part two, which is an elective for the students in my class. In addition to teaching, I'm director of the Biostatistics Consulting Center, uh, soon to be renamed the Biostatistics Collaboration Center. Most of our collaborators are in the School of Medicine, but of course we have collaborators in the School of Public Health as well as collaborators outside of Emory. For each project, I bring together a team of doctoral and master's level statisticians as well as graduate students to complete the tasks for each BCC project. 
our most common tasks are the design of a study, including power analysis for grant proposals and other studies, as well as data analysis for abstracts and manuscripts. We also provide database development and maintenance and data mining and analysis of large administrative data sets. Most recently, we've been working with market scan data sets, for example. This summer, I'm co-directing two summer programs for undergraduate students, the NHLBI-funded SIBS program, as well as uh, the NSA-funded uh, REU research experience for undergraduates that's managed by ASA. So in addition to all this, I continue my long-term collaborations in the prevention and treatment of obesity. Well, it sounds like you have a, a, a lot of different hats that you wear on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, just to follow up on one of the, the things you mentioned in, in terms of uh, teaching other public health students about statistics, uh, in what ways do you try to reduce the fear as far as statistics and try to impress upon them the importance of it? Part of what I try to do for um, the undergraduates as well as, uh, you know, we'll be talking about groups we, we reach out to, uh, for my graduate students as well as undergraduates we reach out to through ASA Committee on Minorities is to make it relevant and fun to the student. So every every time I'm teaching uh, a methodology, whether it be linear regression or probability or something, I bring in a real-life data set. So I call it a motivating study and, and have a research question from that study and then talk about what statistical methodology or tools or framework that we're going to use to um, answer this question. I also, through homework and projects, have the students, I'll say something like, you know, what is uh, the null and alternative hypothesis for this test. Um, develop a research question in your field and then list these hypotheses. So I also have them draw on their background through homeworks and, and through projects. And I think that when they see the applications and that they can apply it in their own field, it helps them to, um, I like to say excited, I don't know all of them aren't excited, but at least to be able to appreciate that, hey, I can use this in what I'm doing and in my field. And lately I've been teaching um, health policy and management, which is a new group for me, but it has, it has been fun watching uh, the light bulb click to many of them who say, well, I don't really need this, but they walk out of there saying, I appreciate this. And now I do see that, you know, having quantitative data and analysis is important to inform the policy and, and the management in healthcare. Thanks for the, that additional bit of detail, and I'm, I'm sure the students are excited to talk about uh, their own work that they're involved in, so it's great you give them the opportunity to do so. Both of you, you are um, involved in the Committee on Minorities and Statistics, which is like the, uh, the Committee on Women in Statistics, one of the committees that comprise the overall membership council of the American Statistical Association. Uh, can you summarize for us what the mission is of the Committee on Minorities and Statistics? The committee's charge is to foster greater participation in statistics by members of groups that have historically been underrepresented in the field of statistics. There are currently nine members of the ASA Committee on Minority and Statistics. Those members are a chair, which currently I am the chair, our vice chair this year is Dion Swift, and Janelle is one of seven uh, remaining members of the committee. 
each person is appointed to a three-year term by the ASA president-elect, and then at the end of that term, members could possibly be reappointed for a second term. So these are appointed positions by the ASA president-elect. However, uh, the presidents do solicit our input, and we send three recommendations. In addition to the nine official committee members, we have what I call legacy members, such as Brian Millen, who started the diversity and mentoring program that we'll be talking about, and Nick Gamble Shaw, who started StatFest, and they were previous chairs of the committee who now stay involved. We also have what I call friends of the committee who serve on the organizing committees for StatFest and for our diversity and mentoring program. I think Renee covered it all, essentially, uh, what the committee is. Uh, I would add that, you know, like Renee mentioned, we do have what we call friends of the committee, which is how I actually started off being involved, and perhaps many others under, under membership started out as well. And these friends are individuals who, for instance, in my case, started off as members of the organizing committees for activities that the Committee on Minorities hosted. So that may be the mentoring program that we'll talk about uh, later on today, or the StatFest. Or perhaps were interested in being a mentee in one of these programs, or a mentor. So it's one where, although we have official members who are appointed, we do have that network where we we have friends of the committee that participate and support our activities and we can count on throughout the years. Thanks for that additional detail. Well, you mentioned it is, uh, I guess, the primary mission of the committee. How do we get students from underrepresented minorities excited and involved in statistics? In answering this question, I would say we can get students in general that is, regardless of the individual ethnic or racial group, we can get them more interested in statistics by continuing to make that initial exposure a positive and rewarding experience. I think Renee mentioned some of the efforts that she uses in her interactions with students in getting them excited and piquing their interest level. What I refer to here in this response is that initial meaning in children even before they start high school, ensuring that the material is relatable and enjoyable, and of course, bringing that awareness at that early age of what statisticians do as a profession so that it becomes an option for a child earlier on, at an earlier age. Oftentimes, you talk to a child and you ask, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the response is a doctor, a lawyer, I have yet to hear of a child that says, oh, I want to be a statistician, you know, and have that response definitively. I long for that day, actually. So I'm aware that there are some initiatives that are underway by ASA to promote our profession in younger children. That is, for example, using mini cartoons, animations, and discussions to pique their interest at that early age. And I think students from underrepresented groups can also benefit from some of these activities. Related specifically to underrepresented groups at a later age, I think to get students more interested in statistics, we need to continue efforts of 
raising the awareness by current as well as past statisticians who are in these underrepresented groups. And by that, I, I, I mean creating that identifiability for students, those role models that they can look to in the field, who are currently in the field or may have been past members in the field of statistics, so that students can realize that there is that group of individuals who they can look to for support and, and diminish that perception that may exist that this is not for me because I'm not seeing many individuals who look like me. And I think that's one of the reasons why this Committee for Minorities in Statistics plays such a crucial role in creating activities for our students to get more excited, fostering the growth and identification of support groups, you know, that network of peers and leaders in statistics that students can turn to outside of their immediate schools or our, our communities uh, for encouragement, advice, mentorship. I think with these continued efforts, we'd, uh, we'd see increased excitement at, as, you know, they become more aware that there are others like them from these underrepresented groups in the statistics field. What steps are being taken to increase the levels of participation of underrepresented minorities in the field of statistics? So there are two major activities hosted by the Committee for Minorities and Statistics every year to increase participation among underrepresented individuals. And those are namely the StatFest and the JSM Diversity Mentoring Program. So we'll discuss these in more detail a little bit more later on. But briefly, StatFest mainly focuses on increasing awareness among students from underrepresented groups about opportunities available in statistical science and to increase the number of students from these groups pursuing careers and graduate students and graduate studies, sorry, in statistical sciences. So the target audience there is more so college students with strong analytical skills and not necessarily whose major has been declared as statistics. Because we think that being a successful statistician can be found in different fields, math, computer science, biology, and so on. The diversity mentoring program, another one of our initiatives to increase participation among underrepresented groups, this program was created to meet the needs of statisticians beyond school. So that's beyond the target audience for the StatFest. And this program was designed to create more of a community across graduate students, early career professionals, and more senior professionals to help ensure that they're successful when, once they decide on pursuing a, the statistics field and also help increase participation and leadership in professional organizations like ASA. You briefly mentioned some of the major initiatives of the Committee on Minority and Statistics, the first of which is StatFest. Can you describe the impetus for this program and how it's evolved over time to meet the needs of its participants? I can talk about StatFest. Um, I've been, this will be my third StatFest, which I've chaired. StatFest was started in 2001 at Spelman College by uh, Dr. Nick Gambleshaw. And it start, she started it there to expose Spelman women and Atlanta University Center students to 
dynamic role models in um, statistics and to give them information on graduate school and careers in statistics. And since then, StatFest has grown beyond the Atlanta region, and we call it a one-day regional conference, and we move um, to different regions throughout the country to get to a larger audience of undergraduate students. So as Janelle mentioned, it is a one-day workshop on um, a Saturday in September or October. We usually, in the past few years, we've had about 75 mostly local undergraduates attend it the StatFest conference, as well as graduate students and, and professionals. We have panelists who talk about their careers in statistics, and again, we have panelists from academia, from government, and, and from industry. We also have graduate programs present to talk about graduate school and how to prepare to be a strong applicant to graduate programs, as well as different graduate programs and what they offer. We get into a little bit about statistics versus biostatistics. One of the more exciting features, the students report, is a closed session, which is a graduate student panel of current graduate students, both masters and PhD. And uh, we close it, we have one a senior graduate student or a recent graduate to moderate that panel, and uh, those of us who are beyond the stage are not welcome in that room. And the students really enjoy having heart-to-heart -heart conversations about what it means to be in graduate school and how to prepare. And while the students are in a session speaking, the professionals, we are in our own session talking about different topics. For example, last year we talked about attracting and retaining students, promoting diversity, in the profession. So last year, StatFest was held at Howard University in Washington, D.C. This year, it will be at Emory University, and next year, it will be at Amherst College. And so that's just the idea of uh, moving around. In 2019, we are hoping to move to the, the Southwest. We'll be an, an announcing that location soon. Does it typically uh, rotate between a, a fixed uh, set of schools, or do are, are schools to encourage to apply to to have the event held on campus? No, we do not have a fixed set of schools, and we uh, definitely would like those of you who are listening to this who would like to host that best to please contact me or any other committee members for future locations. As I said, we have locations secured for 2018, but 2019 and beyond, uh, we need hosts. And so I talked about friends of the committee members. And so each year, whoever, the local host, if there's not an ASA committee on minorities member there, the local host, like last year at Howard University, it was Talitha Washington. She had she was one of these friends who who hosted that fest and had a local organizing committee. So we definitely are interested in in uh, hosting. We have not been to the West Coast in a while. Also the Midwest, and um, you know, 2005 we went to Hawaii. So we you know we're interested in. Alaska, anyone out there? So we want to move <laughs> around. We want to talk to undergraduates in your region, um, Janelle, Caribbean connections. So uh, we, we, you know, we move that fest around so that we can attract more undergraduates. 
as part of this travel and uh, and moving the the staff fest around, uh, is there any kind of travel support that can be provided for undergraduates who may be far away from Statfest and for any particular year? We tend we move it around because we want to concentrate on that region. So for those within the region, we understand that some may have a drive, uh, a long drive may require long lodging. We go all day, and so it might be hard to get there at 8.30 in the morning without spending the night the night before. So we are able to partially fund students traveling within the region. For example, gas and lodging, we're able to partially fund. Through sponsorship, we are able to bring students outside the local region. Last year, under the leadership of Jesse Chittam, we were able to fund 15 undergraduates and a group of high school students from Ohio to attend StatFest in Washington, D.C. We appreciate that ASA provides sponsorship for StatFest. SAS has been um, a longtime supporter. Last year they donated items. More recently, Abbott Laboratories has uh, donated. Last year, Emory University was a sponsor, as well as a nonprofit Great Young Society. So for those of you listening out there, again, another way you can help is through sponsorship. And the more sponsorship we receive, the more students we can bring into StatFest. So it does sound like it's a pretty active on-site, on-site meeting. You don't envision uh, even part of it being broadcast, say, through uh, the Internet to, to reach a wider audience. We uh, have talked about perhaps broadcasting it, and we are, are thinking about that. Some things like the closed session for the graduate students, you know, we might have reservations in, in broadcasting because we want it to be an intimate session where people feel free to speak openly. But we are definitely um, talking about the possibility of broadcasting certain parts of it. The second major initiative of the Committee on Minorities and Statistics is the Diversity Mentoring Program at the Joint Statistical Meetings. Uh, what are the goals of this mentoring program and when did it first start? The first JSM Diversity Program, or I should say workshop, was actually initiated by Brian Millen, who is currently a statistician at Eli Lilly, and it was held at the 2009 JSM in Washington, D.C., Brian, in addition to a small group of committed volunteers, uh, some of those friends of the committee that we spoke about beforehand, sought to establish a community of minority statisticians that could support one another's development and career success. So mentoring, network creation and extension, non-technical skills development, and awareness of opportunities for growth as statisticians are critical elements of success uh, that this program attempts to meet. As I mentioned, the first program in 2009 started as a one-day program. It was held on the Saturday of JSM, and uh, it was focused on sessions that included presentations and panel discussions about career success, grad school success, networking while at JSM and in general, successful research grant applications for those students or individuals who are interested in research opportunities, successful career search and interviewing, and there was also a segment that was dedicated to mentoring in small groups, among other things, that year. 
Now, given the tremendous positive feedback from the 2009 program, two major changes were made. One being that the program moved from the Saturday of JSM to JSM Sunday. And that was in an effort to enhance the visibility of the program as an integral component of JSM and make it easier to those who already attend in JSM to participate uh, in a program that took place on Sunday. The second initiative from that initial diversity workshop was to expand the mentoring component of the program. So with these changes, since 2009, we now have two somewhat different yet related programs that are held during JSM. One is the JSM Diversity Workshop and Mentoring Program, which is held approximately every two to three years. And the other is the JSM Diversity Mentoring Program, which is held in the other years. So for the workshop and mentoring program, similar to the first year, the committee hosts a full-day workshop on JSM Sunday that targets about 100 participants. And these may be participants who are graduate students to a lesser degree undergraduates because we do have the Stats, uh, stats Fest that mm -hmm. is targeted more so towards undergraduate students. Uh, and in addition to graduate students, the target audience includes career professionals in the field of statistics. So that comprises the full-day portion of the program. And additionally, we have the mentoring program where we have activities that are maybe one-on-one -on -one mentoring activities throughout the week of JSM or small group sessions that are focused on mentoring. Our last such uh, workshop and mentoring program was held at last year's GSM uh, in Chicago. So this year, in uh, 2017, in Baltimore, we will be having only the mentoring program. That is on a much smaller scale, targeting approximately 30 participants, 15 thereabout mentees and mentor pairs. And this will be without the full day workshop component on Sunday. These small group sessions, which will be held on the Monday through Wednesday of JSM, will focus on topics related to building strong mentoring relationships, tips for successful networking during the JSM conference and beyond. And we're also planning a session that going to be focused on emotional and conversational intelligence that will include pointers for selling oneself, how to deliver that elevator speech when you have maybe less than a minute uh, to sell yourself to your potential boss, as the case may be. Something else that we're looking at this year is incorporating what we call, what we're calling veteran mentee mentor pairs. So that is mentee-mentor pairs who were assigned, paired in previous committee programs to attend and participate in one of this year's session, sharing their perspectives, sharing their experiences, sharing their success stories, and sharing perhaps some of what they went through 
in their mentee-mentor relationship. Mentors and planning committee members are leaders in the field who are either members of our current committee on minorities and statistics or interested individuals who are aware of the activities of our committee. And there's a great degree of excitement from these members and mentors to share their experiences. And we're hoping that with this year's program, as has been the case with past programs, that there'll be that continual growth and individual relationships that are thriving towards building that community of support for our students and early career professionals. Well, how does somebody get involved year to year uh, in the mentoring program, say if they were interested in either getting a mentor or becoming a mentor? Is it, uh, do they just email the, uh, the committee directly to, I guess, get on a mailing list to participate uh, and hear about uh, other activities such as StatFest and uh, the diversity mentoring uh, workshop when it does happen at JSM? Every year at about the time of the ENAR spring meeting, we post announcements to, for example, the ASA website through Amstat News, through ENAR activities regarding the upcoming JSM Diversity Mentoring Program. And those announcements have point of contact. So for this year, the chair and point of contact for the JSM Mentoring Program is Dion Swift from Procter & Gamble. And in addition to Dion, we do have the committee website that has point of contact information for all our members. And that, of course, is an avenue whereby interested individuals can reach out to us uh, to either participate as a mentor, as a mentee, if interested, or even if you're also interested in becoming a member of one of our organizing committees for future activities. Renee, do you have any uh, comments on how individuals can stay abreast on what's what's happening as far as StatFest from year to year? On our ASA uh, committee page, we have an events tab, and on the events tab there, uh, we have the previous StatFest, the last year StatFest 2016 information, so people can see what what happened last year, and then we have the StatFest 2017 uh, page up as well. So anybody interested um, in participating can go to that page or contact me or another member of the committee to find out about StatFest. I also would like to mention for the diversity men, uh, mentoring program to, that we appreciate the sponsorship provided by ASA as well as long-term corporate sponsors such as Eli Lilly, Procter & Gamble, and SAS, and more recent sponsors such as Abbott Laboratories. The last couple of years, we were also fortunate to have several sections and committees of ASA provide sponsorship to the diversity mentoring page. And more recently, we've received grant support from both NSF and NSA. So another way to contribute is through sponsorship. So I would also add that for the JSM mentoring program, we do have an application period, which is open from about that March through early June or end of May, 
wherein individuals interested in working with a one-on-one mentor can actually apply to our program. So, And with that, what we try to do is gather information from the individual interested in being mentored, and that may be information such as what field of statistics are you interested in? Are you interested in academics at a research university? Are you interested in government statistics, health-related or non-health-related government statistics, uh, biopharmaceutical statistics in the private sector. So we try with that application period to identify individuals who would benefit from our program and also identify characteristics of those individuals such that we can adequately match them to potential mentors. And that the, the application is available on the committee webpage? On the committee webpage, yes. Okay. So you, we talked a little bit about uh, the mentoring program and StatFest. Are there other initiatives in the works, for example, to uh, identify students earlier on, say in AP statistics classes in high school, that may be getting a, a bit early uh, in the process? But are there other initiatives that the, the committee is thinking about? We have several members who are supporting K through 12 initiatives, and we definitely do not think any stage is is too early. You know, we think that, as as Janelle mentioned, people kids know I want to be a doctor or I want to be a lawyer, but we don't hear much I want to be a statistician. So, the earlier that we can expose students to this, the better. Some examples of members contributing to K through 12 initiatives. Nagan Shaw, who I mentioned, who started StatFest, is, has regularly graded the AP statistics exam. Jesse Chittums, our most recent past chair, participated in former ASA president Jessica Utz' K-12 student outreach initiative. Last year, StatFest was able to facilitate the attendance of high school students participating in the Biostatistics and Research Awareness Network brain program in Ohio. And the brain PI is Lillian Prince, and she started the brain program by a proposal submitted to the ASA biometrics section call for developing the next generation of biostatisticians. And Lillian has um, has a great program, I think around, oh, I don't want to misquote, between 10 to 20 high school students came down from Ohio last year to D.C., and Lillian through the seed money from ASA Biometrics section, she's now grew it and gotten additional funding. The latest being stat, uh, State Farm. Excuse me, State I was Farm. about to say StatFest. State <laughs> Farm, yes, has uh, funded the the Brain Program, and so we are excited to have so many high school students participate last year in StatFest, and they presented a poster, and during the closed session for the professionals, while the students were talking, Lillian presented about the brain program and getting that started and the clinicians and statisticians and all the people involved in Ohio, and that launched um, a larger discussion about, uh, you know, how can we get involved earlier high school, and so we, the current DATFEST committee, are discussing ways to increase participation of um, high school, middle school students and teachers, and in a future DATFEST, uh, we're thinking about tailing some activities for middle school and high school students and teachers. 
sounds like a, a lot of exciting work that's uh, coming. Of course, I wish you uh, all the best with it. And final question before we sign off. I know it's getting late. Uh, how can members of the ASA, even those outside of historically underrepresented groups, support the work of the Committee on Minorities and Statistics? We talked a little bit uh, earlier about sponsorship opportunities for StatFest and for the mentoring program, uh, but what other ways can people get involved? So in addition to the sponsorship, though our activities are um, geared for underrepresented groups, we welcome participation from all, and we have members from all different backgrounds participating. So anyone who wants to participate in planning committees or actually the day of or interested in being considered as panelists, we we welcome you. As we also mentioned, StatFest moves around uh, the nation and beyond, so we're always looking for a host for StatFest. And it does not have to be just academia. Um, Eli Lilly hosted StatFest one year. Another way to uh, get involved this year, we are co-sponsoring an invited session with the Committee on Women in Statistics, and we welcome collaborations with other ASA committees and sections. To add to what Renee mentioned, I think certainly spreading the word, you know, is something that we definitely value in, in terms of support from others outside of our committee. Uh, as I mentioned before, every year we publish an announcement in Amstat News about our GSM mentoring program or the GSM diversity uh, workshop and mentoring program, as the case may be. So one way to offer support is disseminate that announcement uh, to individuals in your networks who you think may benefit from being involved in our program as a participant, be that a mentor or a mentee or as an attendee uh, in the case that we have the full day uh, workshop. I think another way of spreading the word is through efforts of the biopharmaceutical section as we're doing here today uh, on this podcast. And of course, like Renee mentioned, there's certainly other avenues uh, for involvement from individuals in ASA outside of our committee that we definitely value support from. Well, before we sign off, I'd like to encourage the listeners to visit the Committee on Minorities and Statistics website. And that website can be found at community.amstat.org forward slash CMIS. And Renee, Janelle, thanks so much for your time today. And I wish the committee uh, continued success in carrying out its important mission. Thank you so much, Richard, and the Biofarm section for selecting us to be a part of this podcast. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. For more information on the Committee on Minorities and Statistics, go to community.amstat.org forward slash CMIS. Now, this is important work. And think about ways you can volunteer your time with StatFest or the mentoring program, or see if your company or university would be willing to host or sponsor a future event. Just get involved. Before we sign off, please be aware that registration is now open for the 2017 Regulatory Industry Statistics Workshop. Sign up now to get some affordable training and hear some interesting industry and regulatory perspectives on a wide range of topics. Do it. Do it now. Finally, you have an idea for a podcast? Get in touch with me at richard.zink at jump.com. 
That's richard.zink at jmp.com. Talk to you next time.